Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag, you know how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy, play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, and thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. It is an interesting edition of the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and, of course, our brand-new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. And uh, to kick off our broadcast, as we do from time to time, we've got our good friend Dr. Jack Caravelli with us today. And, uh, Doctor, last night they held a uh, presidential forum, I guess, or a commander-in-chief forum. or uh, I, I, I don't understand the titles to these things. I'm not a television executive, thank God. Um, <laughs> what, what did you make of this? And is this Hillary ear thing that big of a deal? Uh, James, first, great, great to be with you as, as yes. always. Um, the, um, the the forum, I, I guess, we finally saw what we we've known for years that really the the, the election is all about marketing. Commander in Chief Forum. <laughs> yes. Great, great title. Uh, now, what? Um, you're, I'm not sure what you're asking about Hillary. This 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 ear pierce ear thing that that Drudge and everybody have been talking about. Supposedly she had an earpiece and she was being coached last night, according to Drudge and a few of the folks out there in the uh, in the internet world. I, I, I don't know if she was or wasn't, but if she was, I will tell you that somebody did a pretty lousy job with her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time she gets two earpieces or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh God. They, uh, it's um, no, I mean I, I I don't have any proof of that one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, what we should focus on is what you know she did and didn't say, what Trump did or didn't say, and you know I, I you know Trump uh, you know scored some points in my eyes. And look, the the takeaway I get from Hillary is simply James that uh, you know she seems good at one thing in particular, <coughs> which is inventing new ways to. Um, try to shirk off her responsibility for the debacle, which was the, the email scandal. Yes. So she, she seems clever and creative at that, but beyond that, I, I, I didn't see much to admire in her performance. It is Dr. Jack Caravelli. He joins us today here in our broadcast. And Dr. Jack, by the way, has a fantastic book out, The Age of Hatred. And uh, he's with us today here on the telephone talking uh, a little bit about some of the different uh, news and views that have been going on. And uh, one, of, one of the big stories also is this, uh, is, is this deal that um, Vladimir Putin might have influence over the... Uh, <laughs> Over the elections, there's been uh, all sorts of things with the fact that him and Donald Trump have uh, uh, share some mutual admiration. There's been some rumors that uh, a, a Russian agency has donated a whole bunch of money to the Clinton Foundation. Um, what, why? Why is it that that this is a big story that Russia could be influencing our elections? I feel like we're in the 80s and we have the Red Scare going on, Doctor. I know. 
really doesn't feel like that, doesn't it? The, uh, I think on, on Russia, well, look, we, what we know for a fact is that Russia in the past has tried to, shall we say, muck around in, in elections in other countries uh, in various ways, false propaganda, uh, they call it you know, disinformation, uh, you know, trying to sway elections in directions that the Russians think would be uh, advantageous to their own interests. Uh, so do I think the Russians, including the hacking of the DNC and Hillary Clinton's emails, do I think the Russians probably did that? Yeah, I think they probably did. Um, we, we should have kicked back, if we had the evidence, much harder than we've done. Uh, you know, uh, Obama wants to run out the clock, James, I think. He wants some yes. cooperation in Syria. Uh, so I, I, I think Putin knows that almost anything that's aggressive and uh, tries to tilt the, uh, the elections, even in a small way, uh, you know, in Russia's favor, that he knows he can probably get away with. Now, what he can't get away with is trying to probably influence a, a good voter in Kansas or Montana or Georgia. Yeah. Uh, you know, who just don't pay attention to that nonsense. But, but the Russians, look, let's be serious. The Russians... You know, take all this very seriously. They view us clearly under Putin uh, as a as an adversary. Uh, it's a zero sum game to them. Uh, they've been aggressive for the past few years in a lot of ways, and we talked about them. So I I think it's all part of a a larger set piece, at least in Putin's very fertile mind. We've got Dr. Jack Caravelli joining us today here in our broadcast, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher. And the brand-new app is available, JiggyJaguar.us. And, um, Doctor, this uh, this situation that that, is, uh, that that keeps popping up in the news with... Uh, the the Middle East, uh, we're we're never. <laughs> it seems like we're never going to get away from any type of stories in the Middle East. Um, do you see a day that will go by that something doesn't happen in the Middle East that the United States talks about? Well, I think James probably in our lifetime the answer is probably not. Yeah. The you know the, the the point of my book was to take up some of those issues as you know. Uh, sort of the subtitle is the New Middle East. Uh, you know, in the Middle East today, uh, here's, here's a couple of changes, even from four or five years ago. Number one, Syria's in the middle of a terrible civil war. Number two, uh, the Saudis and the Israelis are much closer politically and geostrategically than we ever thought they would be. Uh, number three, Iran, again, compared to four or five years ago, is in the ascendancy. A lot of that has to do with uh, Obama's foreign policy. Uh, we will have problems, I, I predict, with Iran and sizable ones in the coming couple of years. Uh, there is a religious war in the Middle East, the Sunnis and the Shiites. The, uh, the, the Shiites, of course, uh, represented by Iran uh, for the most part uh, and by Syria. Uh, the, the, the Sunnis represented by uh, the, some of the other Gulf Cooperation Council states. Uh, so, I mean, all of this is an incredible dynamic that's unfolding kind of like a slow-motion slow motion horror movie, um, you know, that, that we watch. But our interests are considerable in the region. Obama would have loved to wash his hands of all of it, and I haven't even mentioned ISIS and terrorism. Uh, he'd love to wash his hands of all of it, but the fact of the matter is, you know, our 
stability, our prosperity, our security, you know, not only in the Middle East, but in Asia and elsewhere, really ride on what, what happens in those regions. So I, in a way, I guess I hope that, you know, we will always have, a, have an interest in, you know, whoever becomes president, uh, you know, next January, you know, we'll find some policies that, you know, that don't bleed us to death, but also keep our interests well defended. We've got Dr. Jack Caravelli with us today, and as and as we go, I've got a, a, a couple more stories uh, that they, they are light-hearted affair. Um, uh, Dr. Jack, of course, uh, much like myself, is a is a is an avid sports fan, and uh, this Sunday that the the NFL season starts, um, one of the, one of the big stories is that there there is a rumor that the the Seahawks players may expand the national anthem protest Sunday versus the Dolphins. There is a rumor that all of them may not stand for the anthem. Uh, <laughs> why is this becoming such a big story of football players not standing up for the national anthem? Well, James, you know, number one, I think they should. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they live and prosper, most of them immensely, uh, under the flag that, that we pledge allegiance to. Yep. Uh, Last time, you know, look, it's Kaepernick's right to protest, I guess, if he wants, but I think he's dead wrong. Um, if, um, you know, if any of the players, whatever the number, uh, if any of the players think that they can do better in, in Russia that we were just talking about or, or <laughs> Iran, China, I mean, I'll, I'll get them the flight schedule. Uh, <laughs> you know, let them have that. You know, there, there is a reason. Look, we've got a lot of immigration problems, whether one agrees with Donald Trump or not, but... You know, the, the fact of the matter is millions of people want to come to America. They don't want to go to Russia. They don't want to go to China. They don't want to go to Iran. Uh, you know, those are really uh, closed-off societies. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a terribly bad thing to, you know, for two minutes stand and acknowledge, you know, the special nature of what this country is. That doesn't mean you, you, you accept that it's perfect or anything like that because it's not. But we seem to live in an age where everyone is willing to assert their rights, but very few people, relatively, you know, want to take responsibility as well. So rights and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. So, you know, I would prefer if Kaepernick has real heartburn about this nation, let's, you know, use his celebrity, go out and make positive changes. You know, don't just get attention for yourself. As, as we talked last week through the media, uh, you know, by refusing to stand. We've got Dr. Jack Caravelli with us today, and one final story today. The Mets have signed Tim Tebow to a minor league contract. What the hell is this? <laughs> uh, probably more PR. Hmm? Uh, you know, I don't know if he's got talent to play at the, the big league level in baseball. Uh, it seems that he didn't have it in football. Uh, you know, the guy's a good athlete, but, you know, next year or two we may see that he winds up, you know, like, like so many of these guys, they get really close to the mountaintop but never can quite stay there very long. <laughs> it's such a such a weird story, Doctor. That's <laughs> yeah, a weird deal. We'll pick that up. <laughs> well, Dr. Jack, I appreciate you being with us today, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Have yourself a uh, wonderful week, my friend. James, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Dr. Jack Caravelli with us today. We are going to take a time out. And when we come back, we've got more coming up.
everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. This is the Risk Takers from Entrepreneurs Club Radio. His parents came to America from India with only a suitcase and $10. His father became a successful entrepreneur and his mother a successful artist. Entrepreneurship and creativity are definitely in his DNA. Kumar Aurora is now on his eighth company. He founded three of them and invested in several more while taking an active role in their management. His prized possession is Rogue Eyewear, which was started because he was angry. Yes, you heard that right. His eyewear company was started because he couldn't find good, well-designed sunglasses anywhere, even in Italy. Being a true entrepreneur, he took the bull by the horns and started Rogue. Now he designs the most exquisite eyewear anywhere, selling them to the world, including Hollywood stars, athletes, and models. Not bad for a young man just seven years out of college. Maybe we should all get angry once in a while. We could change the world. The Jiggy Jaguar radio program continues. Hell of a deal. That's the way that worked out. 15 minutes after the hour, 14 minutes after the hour, whatever. Doesn't matter. It is a world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program today on iHeartRadio. Tune in, iTunes Radio Loyalty, Stitcher. Yes, Stitcher. And uh, we've got some uh, new videos being posted to JiggyJaguar.com very soon. We also have some uh, interesting stuff going on over there on our YouTube channel, which, of course, uh, you can get that through JiggyJaguar.com. We, uh, we have that work over there. Let's see. Let's see what interview this is. call is now being recorded. We've got so many folks that help us. i got so many folks that help us. Thank you. Hi, James. Hello, James. Good morning, folks. How are you? Doing great. Doing well. Well, um, go ahead and give us a little on your background, and we'll get into the topic. So I'm uh, Dr. DiGennaro. I'm the president and uh, CEO of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, we're a not-for-profit uh, that is focused completely on the blood cancers, leukemia, lymphoma, multiple myeloma. Uh, our work is, is twofold. We want to find cures, and we want to be sure that patients have access to those cures. Yeah? Well, um, I am, uh, good morning. I'm Dr. Gail Robos. I'm a professor of medicine at Weill Cornell Medicine and the New York Presbyterian Hospital in Manhattan. I run the clinical and translational leukemia programs there, and our goal is probably the same as what Dr. DiGennaro just said about uh, LLS. We want to make sure that patients have access to the cutting edge of therapies, and we want to find the cures. Uh, we are uh, hopeful that we can convince uh, patients to come and see us to try to figure out whether we have novel clinical trials that might be able to uh, let them enjoy some of the advances that we think are going on in uh, leukemia therapy and for other blood cancers as well. Well, go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, the topic today with everything. 
Uh, so we're we're here to talk a bit about the American Society of Clinical Oncology meeting. It's happening literally as we speak, and will happen over this weekend. This is uh, this is an exciting time for cancer research, and this meeting is incredibly important. It brings together thousands of uh, cancer researchers and physicians who treat cancer patients. Um, the topic of the meeting is focused around revealing and studying the data from the latest clinical trials of, of new uh, cancer agents. And it's important because we believe that what will be revealed, especially in the blood cancers, is data that suggests that there are new therapies on the horizon that will lead to better outcomes for cancer patients. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the some of the different uh, stats and how you guys relate to them and, and, and everything that you guys are going to be doing this weekend. So I think that there are a lot of different uh, buzzwords that have been going around in cancer that um, patients and family members and people who are uh, trying to figure out where medicine is going today are looking for. So for example, there's immunotherapy. Immunotherapy is a whole bunch of different therapies, actually. It's not just one thing. But the focus is on trying to make the immune system work to fight back against an, uh, an individual's cancer. Cancer fundamentally is a problem with the immune system. The immune system of the patient didn't work because it allowed the cancer to grow. So the question is how can we use immune system cells, lymphocytes, to either train them to find cancer cells or to attach them to a chemotherapy drug so that when they find a cancer cell they can get rid of it. That's one new area. A second new area is targeted therapies. So we have a lot of advances in technology that have allowed improved understanding of the biology of certain tumors. And certain tumors have gene mutations which might actually be targetable by a new um, drug or actually by an existing drug. We're doing a lot of testing to figure out whether some of the old drugs we have might work for specific uh, individual types of gene mutations. And the hope is that by combining, uh, combining novel therapeutic approaches with older ones, we can come up with cocktails that are better um, for patients and better in terms of safety and better in terms of outcomes. The cure is not going to be out at the end of this weekend, but we really feel that some of the immunotherapy, targeted therapy, and novel approaches to old chemotherapy are actually directly relevant for patients, and some of those data are probably be, going to be coming over the airwaves all through the weekend. Well, as we wrap up here, uh, where can we go for more information and, and, and everything else? The uh, best place to go for information, especially for blood cancer patients, is the website of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That's lls.org. Uh, for those who would like to talk with someone live, they can contact our Information Resource Center at 800-955-4572. We'd be very happy to help patients and, and caregivers. Well, have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you very Thank you. much. You too. It's a Minute Report for America. Advocates of the theory that human activities have caused dangerous global warming are becoming desperate. With the startling revelation that the Justice Department actually discussed taking legal action against the fossil fuel industry for denying climate change, it is now clear that the long history of fraud, 
misconstrued data, and junk science is beginning to take its toll on those who seek to impose drastic measures against a threat that may not exist. It is also becoming increasingly obvious that the motivation for the intensity of their efforts may have less to do with concern for the environment and more to do with an unrelated political agenda. There have been attempts to prevent, even criminalize, discussion on the controversial issue of man-made global warming by its advocates, who base their positions on suspect data. I'm Frank Fernuccio. Read more at usagovpolicy.com. Call is now being recorded. And then... Hi, James. Hello, James. Good morning. Go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourselves. Uh, I'm Erin Zamet-Ruddy. I am a 15-year survivor of blood cancer. And I'm Dr. Louis D. Gennaro. I'm the president and CEO of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Well, tell us a little bit about the topic today. Well, the topic is all about blood cancers and Blood Cancer Awareness Month that we're smack in the middle of. September is Blood Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, we want to get the word out about the blood cancers, and here's why. Uh, someone in the United States is diagnosed with a blood cancer every three minutes, every three minutes. There are over a million, well over a million Americans currently living with the consequences of a blood cancer. So our goal, the goal of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is get the word out about these diseases make sure patients know where to go for support and help, and to, um, to uh, seek help and support from the general public um, to raise funds to support the cutting-edge research that we do to find therapies like the one that Erin uh, has taken uh, that has saved her life and allowed her to live a long and, and healthy life. Well, Erin, tell us your story. Okay, so um, I was diagnosed when I was just 23, uh, about 15 years ago, with chronic myelogenous leukemia. And um, it was obviously devastating and shocking, um, but very quickly that changed because within just days of, of hearing that I had cancer, I heard that one of these targeted therapies um, had just been approved by the FDA six months before I was diagnosed. Um, it was a little pill and it targeted the cancer cells without harming the healthy cells, which meant I didn't have to lose my hair, I didn't have to spend time in a hospital, um, I didn't have to get sick just to get well, which is a revolutionary idea in cancer treatment. Um, so it was uh, it, pretty exciting. Um, I felt very lucky, I felt good. The drug worked very quickly, um, put me in remission, and continued to work all these years. Um, Probably the coolest thing is that I was able to go off of the medication three different times to have three children. So now I'm 38. I am healthy. I'm stronger than ever. I have three kids, um, things I never thought possible when I was first diagnosed. And, and I owe that to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society because they funded the drug that I was able to take. Um, they made that possible for me. And so I have, um, I've really devoted my life to giving back to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society by getting involved with their, their various campaigns, Light the Night, Team and Training, um, doing whatever I can to, uh, to help fund more of the, this research so we can find more drugs for other people who, who maybe aren't as lucky as I've been. 
Well, uh, well, 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 Doctor, give, give us give us the details on, on just some information here, so people can be aware of, uh, of blood cancers and everything. Well, so we're making great great progress in the research. Uh, the the drug that uh, Aaron takes was the really the beginning of a new revolution in the way we treat cancer. Today, we're talking about immunotherapy, using the patient's own immune system to find and attack and eliminate the cancer. Uh, two important places to go for information. So if you're a patient or if you want to be a supporter of our efforts, go to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society website, lls.org. Um, and likewise, if you're a patient and you need help today, call us. Call our Information Resource Center. Talk to someone one-on-one. -on -one. The number is 800-955-4572. Well, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for being on the broadcast, and uh, you guys have yourself a wonderful day. Thank, Thank you. you, too. This is a Josh Bernstein News Minute powered by AMAC. As soon as Donald Trump jumped out to a 10 to 12-point lead nationally, the media were given their marching orders by the Clinton campaign to do something about it, and something they did. First, they recalibrated how the polls were being done in order to show Hillary Clinton winning. Then, they spread rumors of inner strife and turmoil inside the Trump campaign, even suggesting that he was going to drop out of the race. Trump is not going to drop out at this time or any time, and right now is thumping Hillary Clinton in the race for the presidency. Now you know why Donald Trump calls them the dishonest media. This has been a Josh Bernstein News Minute. I'm Josh Bernstein, and you're up to date. Welcome back to the World Famous Chicken Jaguar Radio Program, coast to coast and moda to moda. Tune in iTunes Radio Loyalty. Stitcher and the brand new Chicken Jaguar app available in the App Store. Indeed. We got another one coming up for you right now. Call is now being recorded. James, you're live with Krista Canfield. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Forget actually. Give us a little bit of your background. Sure. So I am the getaway expert and VP of corporate communications at GoGoBot, which is a great app and website that's free for you to find wonderful experiences around the world and in your own backyard. So if you're looking for a great hotel or amazing new restaurant or a fun hiking trail or something interesting to do with the kiddos this weekend, GoGoBot's a great resource for finding those things. Well, run down some of the uh, some of the details of this website. I'm, I'm sorry? Run down some of the details of the website. Sure. So it takes a different look at travel. So we look at the travel through the experiences of different lenses. So different travel styles, 
would have different needs. So if you're a family traveler on a budget, you probably want to see different things than if you're a family traveler who's interested in more luxury experiences. Or if you're someone who's interested in art and design versus a backpacker, you probably want to see different things. So we help you find the things that you're going to enjoy discovering based on your travel style. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Now let's tell us a little bit more about the website. I'm, I'm sorry? I said tell us a little bit more about the website. So the website helps you find great places to eat, stay, and play anywhere. I just, I don't understand some of these, some of these, uh, some of these pre-taped interviews. Let, 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 let me explain to you a little bit of inside baseball and some of these pre-taped interviews. We we work with agents all over the place, and they have folks who are hired to go on to radio shows and to plug products. And a lot of times these people have scripts that they that they follow, and that's it. And so when you when you ask them something like like I was doing there, where I was like, "Tell us about the website," and then she gets on, and I go, "Well, tell us about the website." She doesn't know anything else about the website except what's on her script. <laughs> it's funny as hell. Did you know that most orchid seeds can't begin life without a fungal infection? This is the Creation Moments Minute. Orchid seeds are very hard, and they cannot begin to sprout until fungal threads grow into the tiny embryo inside. Sprouting begins when the fungus converts the nutrients stored in the seed to a form the embryo needs. Without that conversion, the seed will never sprout. It cannot even absorb the water it needs without the help of the fungus. The orchid's complete dependency on fungus makes it a wonder that there are any orchids at all. If evolution were true, it's highly unlikely that the first orchid would have evolved where exactly the right fungus was present. A much simpler explanation is that the orchid and the fungus that infects it were intelligently designed by God for this special relationship. For CreationMomentsMinute.com, I'm Darren Marlar. Call is now being recorded. Okay. A little bit of an echo, if you want to, I don't know, maybe turn the volume down just a touch. Hi, James. This is Tanya Nyack. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Good morning to you. Tell us a little bit on your background. A little bit about my background. Well, I uh, come from the world of HGTV and Food Network's Restaurant Impossible. I have my own business, Tanya Nyack Design, uh, based out of Boston. Uh, I am the spokesperson for Frog Tape. And I think that's, that's it in a nutshell. And I'm well, a tell us about the topic this morning. Person. What's that? Tell us about the topic this morning. I'm so sorry. I'm having trouble hearing... Tell us about the topic this morning. Oh, the topic this morning. Thank you. For some reason, it was cutting in and out a little bit. Sorry about that, James. No problem. Yeah, well, Tell us might... about the topic this morning. 
<laughs> got it, got it. Well, we are going to talk about some great ways to spruce up your home for the summertime. And, you know, Memorial Day is coming up, so we want to make sure we have our house fresh and ready. So a few great design ideas of what you can do. One of them is, I know it sounds a little generic, but I'm going to talk to you and get down into it, is paint. And instead of painting the entire house or all the rooms, I am focusing on one wall. We're going to make it simple. We're going to make it easy and just do an accent wall. But the key with the accent wall is that you prep properly because a lot of people think, oh, you know, I could just cut in with a paintbrush and get a nice, crisp, clean line. If you're not a pro at it, it's very, very difficult. So get the right tools. And I use frog tape, painter's tape. And the reason why I choose frog tape over any other is because there's a paint block technology on it. So when I tape up my baseboards, I tape up my molding, sometimes I'll do a design on a wall, as soon as, soon as the paint hits the edge of the tape, it actually creates a micro barrier so that when you pull it, you get a really crisp, clean line every time. And you can try that also on canvases to do artwork, so it's really fun to work with. Well, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, well, uh, if you want to get into something not so DIY heavy and maybe do a little bit of accessorizing around the house, I'm a, I'm a big lover of traveling. I actually just went to India a few weeks ago, and I came back with a whole bunch of shawls. I love these things because when I'm entertaining outside, it's always nice to have something that not only looks good, so you can kind of throw it over the furniture and it looks really pretty, but at night when it gets chilly, you can wrap yourself up with it. But at the same time, it's a really great conversation piece, you know. And I also, I love to collect seashells. <laughs> it's like a guilty pleasure of mine. So I put seashells in a bowl with a candle. Um, and it always reminds me of, of my special trips and my special outings. So that's another thing. There's a few other things that I can tell you about, like repurposing. You know, I'll take an old tray, and right in the bottom portion of that tray where you, you set things down on, I'll use chalkboard paint. Paint that whole base of it chalkboard and then use a chalkboard pen and I'll write down my menu for the evening so I can hang it on, let's say it's a barbecue. I can take that, put my menu for the barbecue and hang it on a fence. Or if it's a fancier dinner, I can use uh, a flea market silver tray and paint the base of it and write my menu for the evening on that. So it's just a nice way to personalize your entertaining. Well, give us some more details. Yeah, um, well, there's a lot more that you could do. You know, I like to distress furniture, and I feel like it always gives that nice, comfortable feeling in a home. But I've discovered this new way to distress furniture, and that is by taking uh, any wooden pieces you have around the house, whether it's a table or a chair or even a simple wooden frame, and you take a little bit of petroleum jelly, some Vaseline, dabble it on the edges, and then you're going to go over the whole piece of furniture, including over the Vaseline, with paint. Once the paint dries, you're going to take a rag or an old grocery shopping bag and pull off the Vaseline. And when you do that, you're going to get this coolest sort of distressed look. It's going to look like you had the piece forever. Where can we go for more information? Yeah, those are also you can get all of these tips and a whole bunch more uh, over at frogtape.com. So definitely check it out. Good stuff. Have a good morning. It's a minute report for America. The president has released his 2017 proposed budget. Total spending comes to about $4.2 trillion, an increase of approximately 4% over 2016. 
the president anticipates taking in about $3.6 trillion, leaving a vast gap of $398 billion to add to America's current debt of over $19 trillion. Analyzing the current budget shortfall, the Congressional Budget Office reports at 2.9% of gross domestic product, the expected shortfall for 2016 will mark the first time that the deficit has risen in relation to the size of the economy since 2009. The projected deficit increases debt held by the public to 76% of GDP, two percentage points higher than last year and higher than it has ever been since the aftermath of World War II. I'm Frank Renuccio. Read more at USAGovPolicy.com. Check out Audible Trial. Dot com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. For you, the listeners of the Jiggy Jaguar Experience, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend End of Watch by Stephen King. Check out audible.com. It is amazing. Check out A-U-D-I-B-L-E. T-R-I-A-L dot com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. That's audibletrial.com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jaguar. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jaguar for your free audiobook. One of 700 radio show hosts included in the book, Radio Wants You, an intimate portrait of 700 radio shows that welcome guests. What a loser. And this is Interviews from the Past and Present, now available on JiggyJagwire.com. I was really surprised about that. Basically, the Tom Cruise of uh, authors, Dean Coons. What's going on, Dean? <laughs> I've never been called the Tom Cruise of authors before. <laughs> We're here on the world famous Jiggy Jag White Show. It's uh, it's a Thursday, so of course it's a uh, it's a psycho circus as always. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got Carl Gallops with us today here on the line. Carl, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. Now, uh, talk to me a little bit about. Uh, the, 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 Topic here. Can you give me your thoughts on this. Well, the, the the topic that you wanted to speak to me about was what was going on in uh, Egypt and Libya with the Muslim Brotherhood. Correct? Yes, indeed. Go ahead and break it down for me, my friend. Okay, Matt. Well, the, the deal is this does not bode well for the United States. It does not bode well for Israel. It does not bode well uh, for Christians in Egypt or Jews in Egypt. And, uh, and 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 the Middle East is in a mess with the rise of the Muslim Brotherhood taking command of the 11th largest standing military in the world and uh, a military to which we give $1.5 billion a year in military aid and equipment. Well, uh, what, 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 what kind of uh, situation are we looking at uh, as far as how this affects everybody around the world? Yeah, well, I've got a lot of contact inside of Israel. I do a, uh, a live talk radio. I'm a host of a live talk radio show for for ten years, and so I have a lot of contacts there. We've talked about this and analyzed it in great length. Uh, for the sake of your listeners, uh, the, the deal is this: the Muslim Brotherhood was founded and formed in 1928 for the sole purpose of uh, raising up a one-world order in the Middle East to be ruled by Sharia law. Uh, they were they were uh, raised up for the purpose 
process of making sure that Christianity and Judaism did not exist in the Middle East. Now, this was in 1928. Well, in the 1940s, of course, World War II, Adolf Hitler was directly connected with the Muslim Brotherhood. And we have all kinds of documentation of that. We've got photographs of, Adolf, of, of, of Hitler uh, meeting with Muslim Brotherhood leaders in World War II, and the Muslim Brotherhood helped to deliver Jews into the hands of Hitler. And so um, that's, that's their nefarious beginnings. But since then, in the 1980s, another organization was an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, even more radical, under a man by the name of Osama bin Laden, known as Al-Qaeda. And it came right out of the Muslim Brotherhood. And so the Muslim Brotherhood... Uh, under uh, Mubarak, when he was in rule for 30, 40 years, they were outlawed. Sharia law was outlawed in Egypt. The Muslim Brotherhood was outlawed in Egypt. But when we had the so-called Arab Spring, sounds like a bath soap, doesn't it? <laughs> when we, but when we had the so-called Arab Spring, uh, you know, and, 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 and the mainstream media and, and, and the, the left uh, touted it as a, as a wonderful advancement of democracy in the Middle East? Well, a couple of things. Number one, that was just absolutely untrue. It was uh, setting up for the rise of the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, I called that way back when the Arab Spring first started. I mean, the facts were so obvious. Uh, Israel was going berserk back then. Now they're really on red alert because the day after Mohammed Morsi wins the, this presidential election in Egypt, and of course he's Muslim Brotherhood all the way, he won it on a Sunday. It was announced on a Sunday. On Monday, I mean, he didn't even take 24 hours until he announced two major policies, policy shifts with Egypt. Number one, he said he was going to have to rethink Egypt's entire relationship with Israel. And of course, we know what that means. And number two, that he was going to begin to work on realigning uh, and constructing an alliance with Iran. Well, Iran has already made dramatic public worldwide claims that their desire is to, is to drive Israel into the sea and to destroy them. So basically what we have is a terrorist organization long-standing since 1928 that has been facilitated and propped up by the Arab Spring, which the United States under our current administration was involved in uh, bringing about. Now the 11th largest standing military in the world is under the control of one of the world's leading terrorist organizations who has as its very goal to destroy Israel, our major and main ally in the Middle East. Now, so you can see why, why Israel is in a very precarious position. I maintain that the United States is in a tremendously precarious position. Then on top of that, we have reports coming out of Egypt before the Muslim Brotherhood even took control, after the Arab Spring went down, that hundreds of thousands of cops Coptic Christians, and as you and your audience knows, Coptic is the is the uh, Orthodox Egyptian Orthodox Christians were fleeing Egypt. Some of them being killed, some of them being tortured, uh, churches being burned, uh, Jews fleeing Egypt, Jews being killed, and that was before the Muslim Brotherhood came to power. So you 
you've got all of those factors at play, which just does not bode well for Middle, Middle Eastern affairs or Israeli-United States affairs. And then uh, on top of that, the news has uh, lightly touched on uh, that uh, this fact, uh, Mohammed Morsi, who is now the Muslim Brotherhood president of Egypt, is directly connected through his wife to the mother of Uma Abedin. And I'm sure you recognize that name. That is Hillary Clinton's chief of staff as Secretary of State. Uma Abedin, as you will remember, was married to Anthony Weiner from Wienergate. So we've got direct connections through the State Department to the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt right now. I'm telling you guys, we're, we're kind of in a mess here, politically and geopolitically. We've got Carl Gallops with us today here on the big broadcast. Muslim Brotherhood candidate Morsi wins Egypt race for president. And what does this mean for Egypt and America? And uh, Carl is also here today to talk a little bit about his book. Um, uh, talk to me about the book, my friend. Uh, what is the significance of the title? Well, thank you. <laughs> the title is The Magic Man in the Sky, Effectively Defending the Christian Faith. Uh, yeah, the, the, the title was meant to be a little provocative. By the way, the, the book is just going berserk. It's become a worldwide phenomenon. It's number one bestseller on Amazon in its category, Science and Religion, and has been for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, it's, it's in the top 12, 1,300 of all total books, of the millions of books that Amazon sells. So it's, it's, it's been rave-reviewed by the Washington Times, so it's just become a worldwide phenomenon, and I, I praise God for it. But the, the title goes to this uh, secularist attack on the Christian faith that goes something like this. Well, I would rather believe in settled scientific fact than some magic man in the sky like you Christians do. So I took the words, the magic man in the sky, kind of turned it around on the secularist mindset and uh, developed a sweeping uh, apologetic uh, defense of the Christian faith using a heavy dose of, uh, of sound, settled scientific uh, fact, uh, a heavy dose of sound logic and a heavy dose of contextually interpreted scripture uh, to give the believing community something they could grab a hold of, but at the same time, uh, something that a skeptic could pick up and look at and hopefully be uh, touched by. And, uh, and the Lord's really blessing it. Thank you for asking about it. We've got Carl Gallops with us today here in the big broadcast. Get more information at carlgallops.com slash magicman, and uh, you can also find them on find him on YouTube as well. Um, th this, this book... Uh, what does this set set this book apart from other uh, books out there of this, of this same genre? Yeah, well, thank you. Well, you know, people have been writing books on uh, uh, Christian apologetics for a long time. And as you and your listeners know, the word apologetics doesn't mean apology for. It comes from a Greek word, apologia, which means in defense of. So there are a lot of books in defense of the Christian faith. The problem is most of them are very heady. Most of them are kind of written at the academic level for, uh, you know, for, for students of theology or for or for professors of, of seminaries, etc. But my book is just written for the for the common person, just to get some real good scientific truth, some logic, and some scriptural truth in their hands to deal with this ever-growing secular mindset. Uh, and now, of course, with the discovery of the God particle and the Higgs boson, I've been talking a lot about that coast to coast and produced a lot of viral videos on it. Uh, you know, Christians are hit daily with a barrage of accusations that. Uh, there's no longer any need to even consider the need for, for God or an intelligent designer because, after all, science has settled it. And so my book um, completely unravels those myths and, uh, and, 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 and
and those out, some of them just out and out lies. And my book completely unravels those myths. But yet at the same time, I use a lot of humor, a lot of down-to-earth, good, solid uh, illustrations that are unique to me. And um, uh, in other words, I've never heard them anywhere before. And, uh, and, and the Lord seems to be using it. I mean, again, it's become an international phenomenon. Uh, people are, are, are writing and responding to me every day. Uh, I, I got a phone call today from, from a judge in, in uh, the district in which I live, and he told me that several judges and lawyers had gotten a hold of my book, and it was going rampant throughout the legal community and in my area of the country, and, and they were wanting me to, uh, to come speak to it at, at, a, at a convention. So, I mean, I mean, it's having that kind of effect uh, just on folks that are out there just living in a, in a growing secular world and, and trying to make sense of it all. So uh, it, it seems like uh, the book is really hitting the mark. Well, Carl, I appreciate you joining us today, my friend. I, I definitely want to have you back. We have a little bit more time to talk about this book. It just sounds so, so intriguing, and I definitely want to chat with you next couple weeks, my friend. Uh, so thanks for doing this today. I really did appreciate chatting with you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'd be honored to come back on. You call me, I'll, I'll come on anytime. God bless you. Well, that'll work. Have yourself a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you. Thank you much. The pot party. The trippers. The grasshoppers. The hip ones. All gathered in secrecy and flying high as a There's something very, very... This is ASE Automotive Professional Pam Oaks, and it's time to take a 60-second break and make you a savvy car consumer. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has recalled certain 2011 through 2016 VW and Porsche because the brake pedals can literally fall off the vehicle. More than 130,000 Touregs and Cayennes may be missing the fastener that holds the foot pedal to the pivot rod. If you have one of these models, contact your local dealership for the fix. Looking for more information? Go to safercar.gov for details. Lesson learned. Want to learn more about your vehicle? Visit me at carecareforthecluelist.com, making you a savvy car consumer. This call is now being recorded. Okay. A little bit of an echo, if you want to, I don't know, maybe turn the volume down just a touch. Hi, James. This is Tanya Nyack. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Good morning to you. Tell us a little bit on your background. A little bit about my background. Well, I uh, come from the world of HGTV and Food Network's Restaurant and Pop. This call is now being recorded. Well, uh, I am not going to be able to fix that for you. I could do this or I could do that, but this wind is coming right across me like this here. So, um, so I don't know that that's going to help you. Um, if I do something like this. First rodeo. Oh, no, I, I wasn't kidding Sanzi on you. I mean, I was kidding Sanzi on you. Yeah, like a real person. Oh, I'm, I'm just sending Joanne and running all over the place. But she does have the best shoes of the day. Hey, James. Good morning. We hate wind here, too. It's, it's not a, not anybody's friend. Uh, go, go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourself, my friend. <laughs> An introduction on me? Well, see, what do you want to know, my, my friend? What, what do I do for a living? 
I sleep in the jungle. Uh, I have been doing Survive Man now for over 15 years. Uh, a series that I, I began many years ago uh, out of my love for the survival, for survival skills and filmmaking, basically putting the two together. Well, tell us about the topic this morning. Tell you about the what, sorry? Tell us about the topic this morning. Ah, got you. Much clearer articulation. Thank you. Uh, it is camping season. We are venturing into that time of year where people get out. Lots of people get out with a lot of skill set and knowledge and know exactly what they're doing, where to go, and how to be there. And a lot of people get out without knowing anything at all. They want to try things for the first time. I'm mostly known because of the extreme work I do in the jungles and deserts and mountains as Survivor Man. That's great. That's fine. But I'm also a huge fan of camping, regular camping. And I don't care if it's RV camping or glamping or doing a, a, a rugged canoe trip or what have you. Um, I'm a fan of anything that gets you out into nature, including having a mimosa while you sit by the tent. And so what I like to do is, is I don't mind sort of talking with a lot of people about how they prepare for the upcoming season and, and, and how to get out there, what kind of kit they should have and so on. Well, uh, take, take us through this. What, 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 what are some of the essentials we need? Well, I think, um, you know, a skill set is, is important, a, a knowledge base. And, and I talk about just learning a few things, knowing about uh, plants and, and a few things here and there can really enhance your experience. But the next level of that is what you actually take out with you. Um, and that's your kit, your survival kit. And that sounds a little ominous, survival kit. I don't really mean it so much. I'm like that, I mean more just a few basic things you can take with you to uh, enhance your experience when you're out in the wilderness. Uh, if something does go a little amiss. And my gracious hosts that have made this uh, um, interview possible are T-Rex Tape and Camilla's Knives. And that, that relationship is organic simply because I've always had tape with me in a survival kit, good rugged outdoor tape. Uh, and I've always had uh, good, strong knives with me. Um, the other thing from there, expanding upon that, is uh, a way to get a fire going, a shelter over your head, signaling equipment, things like that. Starts to sound like a lot, starts to sound unwieldy, but in fact, it doesn't have to be. These are, these are small things people can have in their pockets or on their belts or around their neck, small little survival pouch, whatever. Treat it like a little mini survival kit. It's, it's something you don't have to mess with unless... Uh, something goes uh, awry on your, on your journey, and, and whether it's an extreme journey like I take or just walking out with your, with your nine-year-old on a little nature trail. Well, do you have any more, uh, any more tips for us or anything? Well, I think the idea here for me is that this is about connecting with nature. It's about uh, or reconnecting with nature. It's about uh, touching the natural world, and I'm a very big proponent of that, of, of, it's fun. We live in society. We deal with technology. We do all these things and drive our cars and sit in offices. Offices, but but getting out and touching nature and breathing in from the trees and, and feeling all of that natural world on our skin and on our, our faces and our body that's important because it does, like the cliche, it does actually recharge us. It does fill us with a positive energy, and that's important for for existing in our technical world. Well, before we let you go, how do we find you online? Uh, we can find me online on leftstroud.ca, on camillasknives.com, and on trextape.com. Well, I appreciate it. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Birds can growl? This is the Creation Moments Minute. 
can all sense whether an animal is hostile or friendly by its sound. Researchers say that almost all animals make high-pitched sounds or low-pitched sounds. Even the higher-pitched voice of birds has a barking mode that can be seen on a graph and heard when a slowed-down recording is played. Animals make lower, harsher sounds when they're being aggressive. This is the growl. When friendly, an animal makes higher-pitched sounds. The bark seems to mean that an animal is neither hostile nor friendly, simply curious. Human speech follows the same general pattern. These universal features of communication reflect the work of our Creator, who intended for many different kinds of creatures to coexist. He gave us all a universal method for understanding important basic messages like fear, aggression, and joy. For CreationMomentsMinute.com, I'm Darren Marlowe.